Welcome to Third Tuesday Conversation, a monthly podcast that focuses on the ministry of faith formation with children, youth, and families in ELCA congregations. Our goal is to engage in conversations that strengthen and empower your ministry world. This podcast is produced by the ELCA Youth Ministry Network. I'm Danica Olson. I'm Adam Butler. And I'm Elizabeth Pedersen. Welcome, everybody, to November 3TC. Glad to have you here. I It's been a minute since I've talked to the two of you. What's going on? Oh, you know, just in the midst of stewardship conversations and ministry yep. conversations and all of that seems to always have something to do with like b- big questions that you can't answer about what kind of church you're going to be and where you're going and but it's it's good it's good like i think really good things are coming out of it but it's just uh you always kind of feel underneath it for a mm-hmm. while and then anxious about pledge cards and response and i don't know people being frustrated by being asked for money again and mm-hmm. you know the normal the normal cycle of church life <laughs> but mm-hmm. but it's good we tried some new things this year and i don't know i'm i am particularly or i am specifically feeling uh hopeful and energized by it this year which isn't always the case so yay that's good that's very good well we're talking about how we are enough and so that is my message for you adam that even in all the things that are going on you are enough thank you i appreciate that (laughs) and i'm taking it to heart today we're having adopt a pig night tonight at what <laughs> at church? I'm sorry. Well, Danica, talking, speaking Danica about Olsen. stewardship, um, you know Olsen, the blue, the queen, the queen of transition. <laughs> I know. Adopt a pig. You know the blue pigs, share, save, spend pigs. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Our little. I was like, God's global barnyard. What's happening? <laughs> we've never, we've never. I shouldn't say never, but we've infrequently had conversation stewardship conversations with littles and their parents we like reserve it for older kids and we have a faithful families program um which is like for preschool age kids kind of like if you're in kindergarten you're too old for this um and so they're gonna adopt a pig and talk about why we put money in the pigs in the front of the church and because we have our kids put money in the pigs during the offering so they get to take one home which i think they're gonna think is really fun i didn't know this so we were having a stewardship conversation sorry i'm gonna keep going on the stewardship for a minute mm-hmm. um we were having in parent student learning having a conversation with our eighth grade families about stewardship and i have to get the name of the app but there is this app that parents, I mean, kids are already like thinking about this and I do not have a child with a phone. So I didn't know this, but I'm going to butcher the name. So I'm not even going to say what it is, but there is an app where kids get their allowance kind of like Venmo or like the parent puts the, the money into the app and that they set rubrics. Like you have to save this amount. You have to share this amount. And and you get to spend this amount. And so we were having the 10, 10, 80 conversation. And like, there are parents who are like, oh, that's conservative. Like we make them save 50%, share 20% and they get to spend this. Or anyway, I was just like, 
that is so fascinating that there's a, there's a tool out there that like already is helping kids know about this. So then it led to a conversation about eighth grade stewardship. And like, they are trying to figure out in their percentage of money, how and where to save or to, excuse me, to share it. And so I'm like, okay, I have been doing this for a really long time and had no idea that this was like a conversation with families and their kids' allowance. So it brought up like a really cool conversation about like, do we have our Venmo QR code or you know, some way um, that they can transfer their money from this app. I'll find the, I'll find it. Is it green light? That's one of them. Uh, Bark. Uh, That doesn't sound familiar. There's another one though. It starts with an S. All right. I'll keep Googling. (laughs) Anyway, I just thought, wow, this is like super cool. And if we can equip parents to use those kinds of things to start having the conversation with their kid about money, way before I know that my parents ever had any conversation about money, we might actually like turn a corner on what it means to give and be generous. Isn't that cool? It's very cool. Yeah. Nothing like having kids be confirmed when they're, you know, 14, 15 years old and become full members of the congregation. They have no idea what that means is like you can vote but also we've never talked to you about any of the other parts of this Mm -hmm. that like that's absolutely so i was like okay this is so good so i'm actually having a one-on-one with this particular mom who was like very vocal about how they are having this conversation in their house and whatever because i want her to teach me all the things so that i can use it as a resource for other families so anyway Uh i can't find anything else so I, i don't know what it is but i'll i'll find out but green light is one of them. Huh. Well, this is along the lines of what I was going to bring to the conversation today. And that is what you kind of named in, you know, you don't have, you don't have kids with phones. So there are certain things that you just aren't aware of about how the world works. And something that I have found as I've, you know, I have a six-year-old and as I've become a parent, you know, it just completely, not, I wouldn't say completely, but it gave me a new lens to look at ministry and my leadership and how how I lead and how I appreciate or notice uh, the leaders in my kids' life showing up and what that then means for how I show up. Um, It's, you know, just things that I've noticed over the years. That paired with this last couple of days, I was at a retreat led by our friend, Katherine Anderson. And one of the things that I took from that retreat was this concept, and I'm not going to go into all the things. You're going to one day you will hear this from Catherine and the co-op yourself. But one phrase that I took out of the last couple of days was less prep, more presence. And I think about, you know, when I started in ministry some years ago, how my leadership has changed, especially in regard to that idea of prep and presence. Like I think about the first the first uh, Bible study that I led for our uh, high school gathering, weekly gathering. I prepped so much for that. <laughs> for that. I was like straight out of seminary, doing some intense exegetical. Exegesis. Yeah. <laughs> like the best exegetical work I've ever done on this Bible study. You know, like, and now, you know, now I walk into a room with a Bible and point and <laughs> go from there. Not really, but you know, that you know, we've le- we've learned some things over the years. And so that's that's kind of what I wanted to bring today to talk about how your leadership has changed over the years as you think back on your 
your younger self in ministry and maybe maybe also how being a parent has changed how you see your leadership and then also this idea of less prep more presence and what that means for you so what do you got what do you think well i think it would be easy to just say that to me 15 years ago that like hey just don't prep as much dude like yeah you got this because like now i can kind of get away with it because i just you know i have that many more years of comfort and experience with it and so you know having a conversation with that young buck out of college i'd say probably say like i don't know maybe prepare a little bit more <laughs> and maybe uh show up a few time more times and those kinds of things but but i will say in response to what you're saying elizabeth like over those 15 years of ministry it's the times where i've put the most amount of effort into prepping for something that i'm always reminded that that's not necessarily what people are looking for right <laughs> the times where i put together the most perfect journal for a mission trip or the time where i've uh set purpose and guidelines for a uh, ministry or fellowship group and people just you know want to get together it doesn't really matter what how you frame it and what martin luther said about it <laughs> that i do think there is worth to be had in that phrase that you are talking about which is less prep more presence which is that ultimately proven over and over and over again in the ministry that i've done but also the ministry that i've witnessed other people do overwhelmingly it's about how we gather and how mm -hmm. we're in relationship with each other and most of the time kids young adults other adults care more about how you show up and how you're present for the things that are important and meaningful to their life than it is about like putting together the best Bible study. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I mean, it's easy for me to say now with lots of experience and, you know, but I think there is something to that in, the, especially in this day and age of, of ministry that most people are probably looking more for a place where they can connect in a meaningful way with others and be present with each other versus like a really well done Bible study or a really well done, really well organized group. Definitely. That's something that I notice as well as a parent. And now that my my daughter is in school and just, you know, noticing how teachers connect or don't with with the parents. You know, last year she had a teacher who and I don't want this to be only about age. I know that's not um, the only factor, but she had a teacher who had been in the school district for a very long time. And the the experience that we had with that teacher is very different than the experience we're having this year with a teacher who hasn't been there as long. And, you know, and I, I think of my younger self and how sometimes I felt afraid to connect with parents mm -hmm. and, you know, that that parents weren't necessarily um, a partner but like somebody you're worried that you're being judged by or whatever. And so it's like this, this boundary that you set for between yourself and well, anybody else really, where you hide behind the preparation of mm -hmm. what you're doing uh, to create the perfect right thing to protect yourself from the vulnerability of what it means to be a leader. Uh, and so that's the thing that I'm noticing um, as I you know, get a little older as I have a kid who's going through programs similar to kind of what I, the work that I'm doing, you know, like, and, and also just as I do work on 
opening up my own heart and and being vulnerable as a human myself like how that has changed just my my sense of self as a leader and what is important that mm-hmm. um doesn't have to be perfect but that if i'm showing up and that that it really is the thing that matters is how we show up for the people in our places yeah i spent some time in my ministry career being sensitive and or defensive about you know if someone brought a critique or a you know suggestion or whatever and the more and more similarly to you like that i am a parent uh who's paying attention to my unique kids and their experience that like it was never about me mm-hmm. it was never about the the programming or the whatever it was about like do you see us and do you hear us and also like it's okay if there are families who decide this isn't the right fit for us. And I used to take that so personally. Hmm. And now I'm like, you know what? I just really hope that you find what you are looking for. Like, I am happy to hear your suggestions and I'm happy to figure out how we can be in partnership together. But if those things don't end up working for you or don't feel like they align, it's it's okay if you want to look elsewhere. And I think that comes with maturity, right? Of like not not having to be like, well, what about, or I tried this, that, you know, it's like, well, yes, I did those things and I did try those things. But at the end of the day, we are not Walmart or McDonald's. And if you don't connect with what's on the menu and we can't tweak some (laughs) recipes or, you know, whatever to make it work, then then it's also okay to say here are some other places that might be a good fit for you or but i but i think what i'm trying to say is the hearing them is really just the majority of what they're looking for like do you see my kid do you hear that we're having trouble connecting or we're you know whatever it might be that like giving them time being present often is the thing that they need rather than a wildly different way of doing something or right offering. Yeah. You know, we've had this conversation in a bunch of different ways, I feel like, over the last couple of <laughs> years about like where, not this one specifically, but what I'm going to say now, um, <laughs> uh, um, where as we think about what where the church is going and what's going what's gonna to happen and where, what we're going to be, who we're going to be, it always it starts with listening, mm-hmm. and it feels so simple and and like duh, but is almost like the last thing we think of. It's more like guessing at okay, what do our people need, mm-hmm. and how are we gonna uh, design the the program, or what when are we gonna have it, and do we just need it? You know what I mean? It's like more looking at the nuts and bolts of of what we're doing and how we're doing it, rather than being present, like leaning into the presence and just turning towards the people that are here and just sitting there for a while and then seeing what happens. And the world keeps spinning and it's like, where do we find time for that? And, you know, and so that's, yeah, I feel like that's where we we need to go, but (laughs) we got to have the bravery to actually go there. Yeah. And that's why I think, you know, we've spent a lot of years of 
being church, thinking that innovating the next creative, wonderful thing is going to somehow move the dial, you know? Mm-hmm. And and so that's why we spend so much time prepping and preparing and coming up with things because we think that like our life depends on this next new program that we're going to create or this next new thing that we're going to do that somehow is better than what was before. And that's another place where I have learned over the years that the instinct toward relationship and being together is the is the primary driver to what we do rather than all the work that goes into the next big thing and i think i think if there is something to be said about younger us or just younger people in ministry i mean not everybody has the right instincts i mean we that's not true right like not everybody has the right instincts in in any area right but like i do think that the people whose heart is for ministry and like want to see church being this meaningful community that it can be have good instincts. And I think often we, we maneuver people away from those things in favor of, you know, good organization or next, next program, next thing, more numbers, more people, more this, more that, you know? And, um, I, if there's one thing that I would I want to do is I want to like stop innovating and stop trying to do that next thing and and encourage people that I work with, but also encourage the church to give people what they actually want and need. Mm-hmm. And that's a place to just be. And so what does that look like? I suppose you could say that that's innovating. <laughs> I don't know, but it's just, <laughs> it's this weird pressure that we've always had around programmatic thinking and. I don't know, Elizabeth, as, as I'm listening to, well, both of you about the responses to this, that, that just, it, that just rises up for me that that piece of what we've always thought ministry is, is, is kind of, is kind of making its way out. I hope so, honestly. <laughs> yeah. You know, but, I'll, and it's still, yeah, it's, it will take some brave leadership to start walking away from it though. You know, like that's, I feel like we've been we've talked a lot about feeling this tension of we know that this isn't where it's at anymore, but we don't, you know, we're like w- wandering mm. the wilderness a little bit, you know. And I just don't. Uh, that's the struggle. <laughs> that's the struggle to keep wandering, I guess. And I don't, I don't know what the promised land looks like. Yeah, and just like you know, humility, right? Like, and I'm not very good at that, but I mean, there, there are times where you just have to admit, you know, talk about parenting, right? I mean, like there's just times you have to admit where you don't know what the hell you're doing, right? And you're making it up. And that's oftentimes how I feel in ministry. And I think that that has changed over the course of, of years, but also like, you know, after this many years, like I, I don't know what I'm doing. There's you know, 15 years of plus of people younger than me that want something different from church or community than I did when I was a youth or a young adult. And, and so part of it has to do with like letting go of, I, I know what's best. I know where this is going. And going back to that thing that you're both talking about, which is listening for how the spirit's moving, how God's moving, but also how, 
how people are showing up and going, this is what I need. This is what I'm seeking. And, you know, the the humility piece of it going, wow, that's different than I had expected. Let's go that way because that sounds like a way more worthy way of going than the way that I was thinking about going. I think the conversation is about, does it matter? Like if we show up together and if we're in community and if we're listening, does it matter? And we also have to (laughs) pay attention to like, are we offering the same thing as the YMCA or like what, what is going to make it matter for people that they show up? Because I think the church has done its own, it's been its own worst enemy in creating spaces that are country club-esque that they could, that people could get anywhere else. And so I do think that paying attention to the why and grounding the conversation or the listening in, does it matter that you are a person of faith in the world? And does your faith make a difference in who you are uh, Monday through Saturday? Does the church help people make hard decisions and wade in the messiness of real life, right? Like, are we acknowledging that like life is really kind of hard sometimes and it matters that we show up for each other. So I think sometimes we forget the why, dare I say that on a ministry podcast. <laughs> <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> but like, why, why are we doing this? Yeah. Why does it matter? Yeah. Why does the less prep, more presence yeah. matter? Yeah. It's because people are passing by one another and they believe they don't matter. Yeah. They believe that they aren't seen or known. And the presence that we can provide is reminding them of their belovedness and that they do matter. That mm-hmm. that what they're up to in the world is God's work. So I think we've gone, you know, so far down the the path of bigger and more and you know, numbers being the deciding factor about uh, relevance and impact when potentially the bigger and the more is just adding to the busyness and the emptiness of what people feel in their everyday life. I've probably said this before on on here, but so I apologize if I have, but but I say it all the time around the church that I'm at, which is that like, and I think this is what you're illustrating, Danica, is that if we're another choice for people, like we're not going to be chosen, right? If we just like have to be on the list of everything else that people are choosing between, then we're not going to be chosen. I mean, and that's being proven over and over and over again by just like, you know, the sky is falling, numbers are declining, those kinds of things. And that's why we have to lean into the things that do differentiate us from all the other choices, which is that like we as churches can provide for the, for the needs of people's lives. And what are those needs? What are the things that we, and not just like, again, not just what differentiates us. We are Christian. They are not this, you know, those kinds of things, but like, actually, what does that look like? That people, instead of making a choice for church are seeking out the thing that meets a need in their life, whether it be, 
mental health resources, whether it be a community that goes deeper than anywhere else, whether it's relationships with others that do play out differently than than others. Um, it's a, a place where they feel like they matter, where they're enough, um, where they're accepted for who they are, those kinds of things. If that's if that's what we are beyond just another choice, then I think we're onto something. But all of this is to say that the way that we've organized how we do ministry for so many years is around like, how do we do the thing that makes us, makes people choose us versus choose a different thing? And we're just not in that reality anymore and probably haven't been for as long as we've been doing it, but like kind of woken up to it a little bit differently. And so that continues to reveal itself over the years of of ministry that I've had is people don't like, we're not going to be chosen between hockey and country club and friends and other get togethers. Like we're just not, that's not, that's not the reality the way it's set up. So then unless you're providing something that's compelling to say, actually, this isn't a choice. The other things come secondary to what we find and have found in this place. Yeah. And not a shaming way, right? Not of saying like, you have to make this a priority. Mm -mm. Um, It's like, I can't not have this piece in my life because it grounds me and it centers me in a way that prepares Mm -hmm. me for the rest of it. And I don't think we've done a good job of that Mm -hmm. for lots of years, Yeah, which has kind of gotten us to where we are. But like, that's why, as I reflect on that, man, I wish I would have poured more into that piece earlier on, but what do they say? Hindsight's 2020. Is that mm-hmm. how, this, is that how right. the thing goes? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Listen up. Yeah. Young bucks. I think, I think it's confusing though, too, because on the surface, I mean, what we're talking about, I feel like is in some respects, an imperceptible shift of how to approach ministry. And so in some ways, like how do you, how would I even have taught that to my younger self? You know, how how do you communicate what it looks like to lead in that in this way? I mean, when we're talking about, you know, oh well, don't spend so much time preparing a Bible study, that's not necessarily what we're talking about here. I mean, that is part of it, right? But um it's more of a of an approach to how we show up as ministry people, as church in the community. But like it's hard to point to something and say, No, th- it's this, not this. Well, I mean, for those of us who went on to seminary, we didn't learn that in seminary. And this is not the first time you've heard me say this, but seminary education does not prepare leaders for church leadership. What are you talking about? (laughs) I know. Revolutionary, right? I mean, we had classes about relational youth ministry and all these sorts of things. But when you come out of seminary, the churches that you go into did not have that mindset. It was about how many and how flashy and how to get them in the door. Now, you know, that was 15 years ago that I went to seminary. But yeah, I think it's a radical shift of church leadership and expectation of what church is. I mean, like the parents who are looking for, who are coming and saying, this isn't the thing. They're also looking for something that existed for them when they were teenagers and and the world just simply does not look the same. And so they're looking for something that doesn't exist. 
And and maybe it does in, in other, in places, certain pockets of the country. Um, but where we're at, the world is just so radically different. So we could go around and round about this all day, I think. <laughs> no, yeah. Well, and I, something that came to mind while you were talking was the way that um, the church has given in to our consumer consumeristic culture too Mm -hmm. that we went we went right along with it and then we and that's where we're kind of at now but we're learning (laughs) this isn't going to be it because we're not being chosen as one of the things to consume you know and and people are learning firsthand that that's not what they want from a faith community either it doesn't feel good to any of us but it's hard to go back and and or you know reimagine what it is now that that's it's, it's it's a big boat to turn yeah and that ultimately kind of rests whether we learn what we want from church or not i mean it also we're talking we started this conversation you know what we've learned by being parents maybe you know and and that's not the only way that you learn this stuff so let's be clear about that. It just yes. happened to be the some some light bulb moments for me for sure. And it's this like we want the best for the kids, right? And that can that's a universal thing, whether you've got children of your own or not. You want the best for the kids because if the kids get the best, then we're creating a better place for everyone to live, wherever that is. And and so sometimes that makes us do really stupid things and be really awful people especially when we're advocating for our own kids we can that can supersede other people's or the good the goodwill for other people but it's also a really good motivating thing for us to remember is that all of us all of us really want the best for the kids and what is that right now what what is the best for the kids right now is it a fun program every once in a while yeah probably is it a good well organized youth group night yeah probably is it a good confirmation program or Sunday school program? Yeah, probably to a certain extent. But also ultimately what's best for the, the kids, we know this. And this is where that instinct stuff comes in. It's like, we all know this. The best for the kids, the best for any of us is good, healthy, affirming, loving, compassionate relationship and community in whatever way that that can happen. And I think it exists in our congregations better than it does in a lot of places that people exist in this world. And so, yeah, I didn't take, didn't take me being a parent to learn that, but it, it certainly has solidified that for me that that's ultimately what I've wanted all of these years Absolutely. Now for my own children, but for lots of children that I've been in, in a leadership position in ministry with, and that's, that's always what I've wanted mm-hmm. the best for the kids. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a perfect place to end that. You're absolutely right. Thank you. And uh, thanks for the good conversation. It's uh, it's actually really fun to reflect on, on the years of ministry and where we've come from and where we're going. And mm-hmm. so thanks. Thanks for the, uh, thanks for the topic, Elizabeth. That's you awesome. Um, before we go here are a few quick announcements and reminders for you. Um, we encourage you to visit connectjournal.org. Connect is the network's online journal. They've changed formats recently. So now the content is being released every couple of weeks. Articles are deeper dives into important ministry areas. Visit connectjournal.org to see what's being put together for you. 
Extravaganza 2024 registration is open. It's going to be held January 18th, 21st in New Orleans. Uh, our theme is Dream. It's going to be a great event, so you can learn more at ext24.org. Also, pay special attention to this year's intensive care courses. We think they're going to be really good and really helpful. A fantastic opportunity to dive deeper into an important subject. So register for those also when you sign up to attend the E. Thanks to all of you who are members of the network. Your membership makes things like this podcast, our mobile app, the Connect Journal, Discipling Cohorts Initiative, Extravaganza, all of those things possible. If you're not a member of the network, we encourage you to join. If you are, double check to make sure your membership is up to date. You can do so by logging in your account. We are grateful to be a community that cares for this ministry we do together. Thanks so much for listening. New podcasts will be released on the third Tuesday of every month. Be sure to subscribe so you receive them as they come out and share with your friends. Please, we want more friends. And finally, thanks to Paul Amlin, the 3TC producer for his work. Have a great week, everyone. Bye. 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 Bye.